Uh, I'm Dave, if you don't know, Dave Sim, pastor here at Renew. And our scripture passage today comes from Micah 5, 2 through 5a, um, from the New International Version. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. God, thank you for your word. And we know that your word does not go out without accomplishing um, what you want it to accomplish. May you sow the seed of your good news in our hearts, and may we have good soil to receive um, your word and that's good things will spring forth from that as you continue to lead us and guide us to be more like you, uh, to be more of who we were meant to be um, as individuals and as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's my pleasure this morning. Uh, we have a guest speaker today and it's Shauna Brown, and uh, Shauna Brown and I go way, way back uh, to when I was in college. She was actually on staff with InterVarsity uh, nearby Wazoo at the time, right? And uh, so I feel, like, I feel like she had a heart for me because I was Asian <laughs> in, a, in a swarm of non-diversity. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I felt her, you know, her prayers all the time and her asking questions. And then I came on staff and we served on staff together. Um, and then we were on the regional leadership team together. And when I was, when there were times when I was angry, you know, she offered, you know, a more, a void, like, calm down, Dave. Um, but I felt like she understood me and uh, had a heart for what God was doing in terms of multi-ethnicity and reconciliation in our region among students and uh, um, and prayer where I, I remember meeting Adam at Urbana at a, in a prayer room, the <laughs> intercessory prayer room, and uh, they, the two of them are just powerful um, in their prayer ministry. And I was one of the hosts. My job at Urbana was to be a host for the room. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, there's crazy things. This is like the back room where, like, crazy things, prayer happens. Like, that's not me. Um, but I remember Adam saying, you know, we got to pass the mantle of leadership to you, you know, because it was my shift starting. And, um, and he prayed for me. And it just made me realize, like, this you know, this is serious, you know, this is a serious thing, and I'm here, and I'm here facilitating this space, and that was an important 
uh, lesson and it was encouraging and affirming to me. But uh, uh, I love Shauna and um, and we live close close to one another, <laughs> so that's awesome. But uh, um, let me pray for you and we can start him. God, thank you so much uh, for Shauna and thank you uh, for the words that you've put in her heart. Thank you for her heart for your people and um, the care that she has. Um, thank you for her leadership and her, um, just the peace that you've been growing in her heart and her care for people and compassion for people. And I pray that we can sit at her feet and learn um, about you and who you are and about your word and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dave. I forgot we didn't really do a test. Are we good? Okay, yeah. And I've got kind of a loud voice anyway, so... Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that introduction. I was going to say, too, how I <clears throat> met Dave. He was, a, I believe, a sophomore at Whitman. Was that when Jenny and Scott and all those guys got there? Were you yeah, I think so. His sophomore year. And I was a new university staff um, intern. And we were at this leadership train. We called it Lordship, I think, at the time. And he was, it was for student leaders. So Dave was one of the student leaders, and I was new. <clears throat> what I remember about Dave, there's one word I would describe Dave. There's several words, but one word is passionate. You probably have seen that if you know him at all, this passion. I know he's getting ready to go on sabbatical, so maybe it's a little subdued. But in general, as a person, he is passionate. And what I remember was we played Ultimate during one of the breaks. And... I don't know if you still play Ultimate. Do you still play? Yeah, I'm thinking you do. So I just remember watching him fly through the air and just grab, and like, he was horizontal, grabbing this disc. And I was like, what in the heck? I'm like, it's okay, it's just a game, you know? Um, and it wasn't even competitive, it was just, you know, a bunch of, anyways, it was pretty funny. I was like, okay, that's Dave. And then later, we were talking, and he's right. I was like, we were in the, a room full of folks, and I'm like, Asian American man here, feeling a little misunderstood, I believe, as we're having conversation around some scriptures. Um, and what I, what I remember was him, I remember listening to him share it, and it was something really deep and kind of quietly spoken, um, but extremely passionate, like connected to a core part of him that was very passionate. But I think people missed it a little bit, what he was saying. And I remember that caught my eye. And I'm like, you know, 20, whatever, two, and you're probably 18, I don't know, 19. <laughs> we were super young back then. And I, but I, there's little things like that where God, where I've seen this passion in Dave and his, this call, to accept this call to be a pastor, there was a passionate desire behind that as well. And I know that. So you have a man here, who I know is passionate about the things of the kingdom, passionate about bringing people together for reconciliation around Jesus as the center. And that's a good thing. And so I'm grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Dave, for the invitation. And thank you again for the opportunity to be here. It's very humbling. And um, one of the things I felt like I heard from the Lord as we were worshiping, thank you, worship team, by the way, um, was it that you prepared a manger for him here. Like there is, a, there is a foundation of humility in this community that Jesus can really move in and use and build for, for Linwood and this area, right? Like for this region, for this area. And I know that that's where your, your hearts are, to reach this community. Doesn't matter who you are, we've got you. Jesus has you, right? You're welcome here. 
and that's important. Um, so I just want to encourage you that that manger is a welcome place. It's a humble, welcoming place um, for the Lord to come and dwell. So thank you for offering that here. Um, I'll skip it. And, and for folks on Facebook Live, I understand. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, so yeah, I, I encourage us as we, as I share this morning, I kind of like to interact a little bit, you know, and talk with folks and have you guys talk to each other. So there will be that going on. Um, we can go ahead and start the slides, whoever's uh, in charge here, but, or in charge of the slides. So I, this morning's theme is chaos to peace. Um, and we are reading that scripture, which they already read for us. Thank you so much. Um, there is one who is coming, who is here, who has the power to break the authority of chaos in our lives and in the lives around us in the world. And that will be what I'm sharing on here. Um, one of the things I would love for us to do is think back just to a year ago even, right? A year ago. We weren't meeting here. We'd been masking for years we, or months. We, we were feeling isolated, quarantined. Did you want to go out with them? Um, there was a lot of divisiveness. We just had this election that was kind of intense. A lot of polarization. Uh, families that didn't even want to get together, even though they couldn't, they didn't want to get together for Christmas because there was some, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember this? I hate to take us back there. But that's just some of what the, was the reality, right? Just a lot of racial tensions were high. Um, people were afraid, what's gonna happen with this pandemic? Am I gonna die? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people, we knew people who, we've known people who've been sick who didn't make it. Right? There's lots that was going on. It was scary. It's still, still things are scary, right? This Omicron, the economy, inflation. I mean, you name it. There's chaos. Chaos kind of all around us. Um, and if we, ah, there it is. And if we, um, sorry. Okay. That's the last slide, actually. <laughs> sorry. Um, there is chaos happening all around us. And I think we might feel that at a visceral level. There's chaos internally at times, right? There's this internal, external pull. We feel the pressures of the world, maybe our workplace. But we also have our internal anxieties. Anxiety and depression is off the charts these days. Counselors, there's not enough counselors to go around. People have wait lists. And so I'm here, and I'm, I'm here to say today, look, there is one who has the power to destroy the authority of chaos. So when we read that scripture, when we read this passage, um, <laughs> we, we know that he will be our peace, that last verse there. That word peace in Hebrew is shalom. That word has a huge meaning surrounding it. It's not just peace like we think, oh, peace. You know, oh, have a peaceful day. Just be serene and tranquil. It's much larger than that. And if we can maybe get the video going, <laughs> I can show a little more about that. But we'll start with Micah. So let's start a little bit with Micah, who was a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Right, that's where this passage comes from. Um, I always feel bad when we call people minor prophets. I mean, 
they're saying the message of God, right? It's like, I don't care. That seems pretty major to me. But anyways, um, I don't think of them as any less than the other prophets. But he was a contemporary, sorry, of editorial comments. He was a, um, a contemporary of Isaiah and Amos and Hosea and Jeremiah. Um, he, and when we think of Old Testament prophecy, one of the things to note is that it's predictive of three things. It's predictive of future events for that generation. And it's predictive of, there we go, thank you, predictive of a messianic era. And it can also be predictive of a new creation as talked about in Revelation. So in this passage in Micah, it's an Old Testament prophecy that is uh, speaking to that current generation because they're about to be, you know, taken off into exile. But it's also speaking to a messianic coming of Christ. And how do we know this? How do we know that it's pointing to Jesus 700 years later? So Micah is 700 years before Jesus. Um, but we know this because the Bible experts of Jesus' day, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, they were gathered together. Here's Matthew 2, 1 through 6. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Hey, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, so those are the Bible experts, right? Old Testament experts, right? He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem and Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. And they refer to this passage in Micah. Okay, they say, hey, we know he's been born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and, by, and are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who, has, who will shepherd my people Israel. It actually doesn't have everything in between. They kind of, you know, abbreviated it. Um, probably didn't remember all their scripture verses, kind of like me, right? They're just like, here's the abbreviated version, but this is what we know. He is to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. So we're going there. Um, and it, people freaked out. Apparently all of Jerusalem was disturbed, along with Herod, which I never really caught that before. But anyways, um, so next slide. You can go to slide to the next slide. Thank you. Um, just to break it down a little bit, Ephrathah is this insignificant little clan, right? It says that it's just a small little clan out in the middle of nowhere. Micah talks about them. Um, yet God has something significant planned for them. Look, there is a ruler coming that's been talked about. You've known this ruler. This ruler's been around since ancient times. Um, and out of you, they will come out of you. Though you are insignificant, Though you are insignificant, Linwood Washington. Though you are insignificant, Renew Church. Though you are insignificant, Shauna Brown. Though you are insignificant, Michael, I didn't get your last name. Though we might feel or believe we are insignificant in some way. God says, no. Something great is going to come out of you. Something great. I have something in store. And actually the origins are a long, long time ago. And other scripture, other passages or other versions say eternity. So another thing to note is that there are two Bethlehems, right? So these people are prophesying. They're saying, hey, um, sometimes people get confused. We want to make it very clear that this Messiah is coming from Bethlehem of Ephrathah because there's another Bethlehem in Galilee. And even though Jesus came from Galilee, right, we know he was from Nazareth um, growing up years. He was actually born in Bethlehem. And you know why. A lot of us know why. You know the Christmas story. Um, because, you know, right before Mary was due, they had to get on a donkey, is what they always show, and go to Bethlehem, 
they had to go to David's hometown to register because Caesar Augustus was like, hey, I need to take a census of how many people are in my whole empire. So go to where you're from, your original house, your original line, and we can count you there. Well, that's how Jesus ended up being born there. Otherwise, he probably would have been born in Galilee, right? So the prophet is saying, I don't want to confuse, the prophet is saying, I don't want to confuse these two. There's a Bethlehem Ephrathah and a Bethlehem in Galilee. The Savior is born in Bethlehem Ephrathah. So anyways, there's that. So Jesus, that happened, and he fulfilled when, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is also where David's from, King David, right? So that's where um, Joseph's line was from David. Um, they fulfilled a prophecy. That part of Micah, 700 years ago, came true. Um, in verse 3, Micah continues on. And again, he's talking about both to their generation and to a messianic period coming, to Jesus coming. Um, Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. Well, the Lord pulled back his protection and Israel was abandoned. But it's interesting to note that Micah was the first prophet out of all those other prophets, the minors and the majors, that he would to, to predict the downfall of, of Jerusalem. And sometimes we wonder, well, why would God allow this? Is it because he's mean? That was always my thought when I was younger. Like, I don't like reading the Old Testament because he seems mean. <laughs> I like Jesus. I can handle that. But it was the Old Testament God that I was like, what? This is crazy. But what was going on was the city was being financed. All this beautification was happening. It was by dishonesty, dishonest business practices, exploitation of citizens. There were um, religious leaders were asked to making people pay them for prophecies. I mean, it's totally corrupt. Religious leaders were corrupt. Political leaders were corrupt. The economy was, was a mess. People were poor because all the money was being, they're being taxed heavily to do all this beautification. It was chaos. It was chaos. And God's like, no, this isn't fair. This isn't how things should be. This isn't my kingdom. So at that time, um, basically God was like, you know what? I'm calling for these religious leaders and government leaders to treat people right. He'd warned them and warned them over and over and over. He's a God of justice. He's a God of peace, not chaos, right? This stuff, he doesn't like this exploitation of people. And so they get whisked away. And many years later, he's still talking, and yet he's still forecasting to this woman who is going to be giving birth to a child. He's foreshadowing this woman. And I wonder if he kind of hears it in the future. You know, I kind of, you know, for, if you're the kind of person that, can bend an ear to the Lord's voice and you kind of can hear him. Maybe I was like, I wonder if he heard a woman giving labor. I was like, well, there's going to be some woman giving labor and at that point she's going to bear a son, a really amazing son and that will bring the people will return to me. People will return to this, to this brother. All his sons and daughters and brothers and sisters will come together. Anyway, and then in verse 4, so the next slide, um, what Micah, how Micah describes this one, this ruler who is coming. He is this person that will stand, and that's a sense of authority, and shepherd his flock, which is a sense of care, right? So standing in authority and in care as a shepherd and leadership in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Again, this is pointing to the Messiah, Pointing to the Messiah, this is Jesus he's talking about. 
I love this picture, um, this, this ruler rising up to stand in strength and authority. Um, and you, we know that he is a shepherd. Psalm 23 describes God as a shepherd. We know he's talking about, about God. Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. All throughout scripture, a shepherd is seen as one who's providing care for his people, for his flock. Seen as someone who's leading, who's dis, uh, disciplining, who is comforting. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. Um, he's protection. And this person, we will be allowed to live securely. There's a peace that comes with that. There's a peace that comes with living securely in the land. And this, this person, this person that Mike is talking about, will be known to the ends of the earth, which is Jesus. So when I ask you a question, I want you guys just to share or just maybe pop out a couple answers. When you think of the word, let's tie it back to chaos. When you think of, of chaos, what comes to mind for you? How does it make you feel? What does it make you think? Unruly. Unruly. Anxiety. Anxiety. Stress. Stress. Yep. It's that type of thing. And when you think of peace, what do you think of? It's all good. It's all good. No anxiety. The unruliness has calmed down. Comfort. Comfort. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Okay, what I want to do is um, split to the next slide. And this is five, Micah 5a, and he will be our peace. He will be that comfort. He'll be that make things all good. All right. This is Jesus. Um, again, that word is shalom, which is a common greeting in Jewish culture. And I think it's been relegated to sort of this like a greeting. But I have a video that I want to show you that actually describes what shalom actually means, which is where I'm talking about the one coming with the power to destroy the authority of chaos. Here's a message from C.J. Lovick, author of the widely popular Living Word in 3D series. Watch as he unfolds a mystery hidden just under the surface. Is there a hidden message in the Hebrew word shalom? A message that once understood could change your life forever? Did you know that the Hebrew language is actually three languages? Did you know that the original Hebrew, the same Hebrew that Moses used to scribe the Torah, was both a pictographic and a numeric language? Has God given us a prophetic clue, a peek into the future hidden in the four Hebrew letters Sheen, Lamed, Vav, and Mem, the four letters that spell Shalom. And is that clue hidden in plain sight, embedded from the very beginning in the pictures and numbers that are the very foundational elements of the Hebrew language? Let's take a look at the picture meaning of Shalom. Sheen is the first letter in the Hebrew word Shalom. Sheen is a picture of teeth, teeth that crush and destroy. Lamed is the picture of a shepherd's staff. Vav is the picture of an iron nail or a wooden hook. Mem, the last Hebrew letter in the Hebrew word shalom, is pictured as waters. Waters of life is pictured by a clear running stream, or waters of chaos and confusion as pictured by a flood or tsunami. In the conventional Hebrew, shalom can mean anything from not being at war, the cessation of hostility, to harmony between people. Shalom can also mean security and freedom from violence. Shalom can communicate the idea of serenity and tranquility. Now let's discover the distilled idea picture meaning of shalom. Sheen means to destroy. Lamed is the voice of authority. Vav signifies two things that are connected. Mem can mean chaos 
and confusion. The revelation hidden in the picture language of Hebrew informs us that peace or shalom only comes when the authority connected with chaos and confusion is destroyed. Every time you say the word shalom or peace, you are uttering a prophetic prayer that someone will come and destroy the one who is causing all the chaos and confusion. And who is that someone? Who is coming to bring true shalom? The Prince of Peace is coming. Are you ready for true shalom? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Who is this one that's coming to destroy the authority of chaos? Jesus, it's why we're lighting the peace candle today. That is true peace. True peace. And I know we, when we think of peace, we don't think of chaos or destruction. You know, we think, but that's a, that is Jesus broke the authority of the one who who has the, the one who makes things chaotic, right? So when we think of that, um, Jesus describes his enemy. There is an enemy to peace. Right? That's chaos, confusion, which has a spiritual origin. Just like Jesus is part of our spirit, we're spirit, soul, and body, but Jesus with us. There is an enemy to that. So whenever from this, what this guy was saying, every time you say the word shalom or peace, you are uttering a prophetic prayer that someone will come, Jesus, and destroy the one who is causing all the chaos and confusion. I love that because we are also sons and daughters of God and we have Jesus with us. That means we carry that authority as well because he says he's given us authority on heaven as he has, I mean, on earth as he has in heaven. He's given us that authority to establish the kingdom in the same way. Um, so personally this past week, I don't know if this was God's way of saying, you got to learn this stuff for yourself, Shauna, but I had a chaotic week. I mean, it was things that were unexpected. One of, the, a lot, one of those weeks where it was just, I had it all planned and I'm kind of a control person, right? So I tried to have it all planned out nice and neat. No. Everything exploded. I knew it was going to be a busy week at work. I had three nights. I knew there were going to be events that were going to go late and things like that. But what I didn't anticipate were things like keys getting locked in a room where I needed to get supplies out for a marketing event. Um, people going out on emergency to the hospital like three times. Three of my coworkers who are in our leadership team. Um, so then we were down people. I was like, oh, Jesus. So it was one of those weeks, and I had to finish this talk. I was like, it's not coming together, Jesus. And he kept saying, remember what it's about. Like, remember what it's about. There is, uh, you know, I have the power to, dis for, uh, to destroy the authority of the one who brings chaos in your life. Like, remember that. Access that. I would love to say that I did that regularly all the time and every minute. No, no, it didn't happen. But I tried. I tried. And I, a couple times with Coke, I was like, Sean, are you, you look some kind of stressed. I'm like, I'm a little stressed, but I'm supposed to be the carrier of peace. I'm like, I'm so sorry, God. But you know, <coughs> but you know what? It all came together because coworkers came and supported. Like, we worked as a team. And that's kind of the stuff that, like, God brought peace in the midst of the confusion and chaos through other people. Right? Not, not, not even people that might not still, may or may not know God for all I know, but they came and helped and supported. Um, that was my own personal battle spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I was drained. I mean, ask my husband, my poor husband. He's very kind and gracious, and he also supported a lot this week. Um, but Jesus kept saying, nudging me, do you believe what you're preaching? Do you believe this? And it was a challenge to me. 
And I was like, mm, not, and he wasn't saying it like challenging, but it was, to me it was challenging. I was like, well, I'm trying to access you, this Prince of Peace. You're my Prince of Peace. You are the one that has that authority as a royal, <laughs> right? He's a royal. And he has that authority. I mean, he said, remember my authority over chaos. And I also felt like he said to remember this piece, and I want to pass this on to you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. The same authority I have, I give to you. Be my maker of, be a maker of my peace, is what he told me. And I could see him kind of weaving peace, like weaving a, a, a tapestry of what, look, what looks like peace to me, right, if that makes sense. But it was, he kept um, weaving this carpet and trying to say, hey, put this out in front of you. Like, this is, this is peace. Walk in peace. Um, be a peacemaker. And you guys being part of this community are already set up to be peacemakers as reconcilers in this kingdom, in this land that there's been so much division across so many different lines. Right? You guys, sons and daughters, you're the children of God. You're peacemakers. I'm grateful for you. So, um, I just want to ask, as we close here, where are you experiencing chaos and confusion in your own life? I know this, this season has been hard for so many people. Marriages have been strained. Are there key relationships that are difficult? Pressures from conflict over race, <laughs> vaccines, mandates, not mandates, masks. I mean, there's just so many places where we have the opportunity to be peacemakers and to be that voice of God, to be the one to step in and help destroy the one who brings chaos. Are there workplace issues? Do you have a hard time sleeping due to anxiety and depression? I have had so many people in the last year and a half talk to me about their depression and their anxiety. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a community relations director for a memory care community. <laughs> I mean, this is, these are just regular people, coworkers, neighbors, friends, um, family. There's a lot. And Jesus is like, no, I have more. I have more for you. Access my peace. Access it. Not, we don't need to focus on all the other stuff. I know it's real. Not, not saying ignore it, because it's real. But access my peace in the midst of that. My shalom. Speak shalom to one another. Speak peace to one another. So what I wanted you to do, if you are comfortable with this, and on Facebook, feel free to chat in something we can maybe pray for. But just, you know, do you, is there an area, can you share with your neighbor, share with someone next to you, um, an area in your life where you're, where you're experiencing chaos and confusion. And I just want you to take a minute or two to pray for each other. And then that, that'll be it. Okay? We're going to practice what we preach.